We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com live postgame show. I'm Trevor Lane. You can join me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. My oh my, what a happy birthday for LeBron James. Dropping 47, 47 points for LeBron James. Incredible in a much needed win against the Atlanta Hawks. LeBron was everywhere doing it all for the Lakers tonight. It wasn't even just the points. I mean, they needed those points, 47, but 10 boards, nine assists as well for LeBron. One assist shy of a triple-double, four of six from deep in this game. What an incredible performance. And on top of that, get this, the Lakers, they won the third quarter. They won a third quarter by eight, and then they actually closed out the game in the fourth quarter. They've been a horrifically bad fourth quarter team. And they found a way to close out a game. A lot of it thanks to LeBron's brilliance. But we also saw other players stepping up and making plays as well. Saw some good things out of Juan Toscano Anderson in this one. Dennis Schroeder hit a big shot late. A lot of positives to take away from the Lakers. Some negatives as well, which we'll get into. But thank you, everybody, for joining me here. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this, well, thank you as well. Make sure you do give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. All right. Um, Before I get into our questions and comments, obviously, our superstar of the night, it's LeBron James, 38 years old. And you look at the stat line, and it's ridiculous, right? I mean, 47, 10, and 9, unbelievable stuff from LeBron. He even hit that little fading uh, baseline jumper where he comes around from the other side, kind of like a hockey player going around the goal on the backside, and he just turns and, and just floats as he's fading away and hits that shot. Unbelievable level of difficulty to hit that shot. He was incredible, but it wasn't just the points. It wasn't just the rebounds, the assist. He was everywhere on the floor. He was making plays. He was getting to the ball, beating much younger players to the ball at 38 years old. This was an incredible incredible birthday performance from LeBron. Again, if you're the Lakers, you don't get this win without LeBron James doing what he did tonight. Absolutely amazing. Um, again, he's had a lot of all-time great performances that uh, that he's displayed over the years. I'm not saying that this one, you know, a game at the end of December here 
matters as much as some of his big playoff performances or anything like that. But this was a great reminder of just what a talent he absolutely is. Incredible stuff. Um, Gabriel said, I'm going to need Lakers fans to start spreading the Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Boucher for Russ and first propaganda while the Raps keep losing. They would save the team. Hey, if that was on the table, if you could get those three players for Russ and those first-round picks, yes, I I would do that. I would drive Russ to the airport myself to try to get that done. I, I don't think you're getting that from the Raptors. I think the Raptors want multiple firsts for just OG and Anobi. But nonetheless, hey, if you could, yeah, I think that would be a really nice move for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Justin, LeBron tonight was a direct message to Jeannie Buss. If you don't want to rebuild around me, you must be crazy. And the poor little Hawks paid for it. LOL. Is that what it was? I, see, my sense, it, we'll see what LeBron says after the game, right? But as the game was going on, I was like, okay, this is LeBron's kind of like his shot at father time, right? That was kind of my impression as the game was going on. This was LeBron saying, hey, I'm not dead yet. Like, I've still got a lot left in the tank. And maybe by proxy, that becomes a a message to Jeannie Buss, to the Lakers. Like, hey, you know what? We still have something here. AD, we got some news on him today as well. I'm saying that the pain is disappearing from his foot. Essentially, it's a navicular injury in his foot as well as bone spurs. He said the pain is now just down to a 2 out of 10, heading towards 1 that's getting much better, and they're hopeful that he can return to the floor soon. He did mention there's a fracture my guess, and this is uh, my wife has a background in athletic training. I was bouncing this off of her saying, what, how does this make sense? She said her guess. And again, that's all this is just a guess is that maybe something going on in the imaging was making it difficult to tell for sure, whether or not it was a fracture in there. And so that's why he went to so many different doctors to try to get some certainty. Sometimes it can be kind of difficult to tell exactly if there's a fracture or not, and maybe he went to multiple doctors in order to try to figure out, is it a fracture? Yes or no. And then go from there with the treatment. But the treatment apparently for AD has just been, uh, you know, not surgery, just rest and doing that sort of rehabilitation. And it's working. His pain level is going down, uh, which means hopefully, hopefully he can return to the floor sooner rather than later. Still not expecting to see him back like next week or anything like that. But Good to know we have a little, we heard a little bit more on the injury when AD actually spoke to the media today. So that was fantastic to hear. Uh, Casual said, Hey, Trevor, next time we're in position to hit a game winner, we should run a set for that under the basket turn and fade. High difficulty, but a beautiful shot. And LeBron is making them. Yeah. I mean, that's that is the horse shot where if somebody hits that on you, you just take the letter. Right. You just you take the you know, you're not making that shot. So you just take the letter like that is the degree of difficulty to hit that. It's so high. I mean, as you're fading away from the basket and then getting the ball to the rim at that point, because you're you've already left your feet, you've turned. So it's all arms just getting the ball to the basket. And LeBron accomplishes it. No problem. Not saying it's a particularly deep shot, but still, nonetheless, um, you're not getting your legs under you at all or anything like that to, to shoot the shot. It's all arms as he's fading away turning into his shooting shoulder. It's a very, very difficult shot, and yet he makes it look easy, and it's so graceful, the way he just kind of like floats through the air. Like, no big deal. I can I can just hover here for a little bit, and I'm going to shoot this shot, and then I'll land when I'm good and ready. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible shot, and yeah, I mean, look, if, if you can pull that off, and he's making them, then why not? If you can get that as a game winner, sure. Kyle said, oh, to be a spry 38 again. I know it was just Atlanta, but I'll take it. Happy New Year. 
Now, again, yes, yeah, look, so Atlanta, we should preface this. Atlanta has not been good this year. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Nate McMillan, the rumor came out before the game that he was maybe considering resigning. Now, the Hawks pushed back against that. Nate McMillan pushed back against that. So I'm not saying there's anything to that. I'm not saying he's on the verge of, re of uh, resigning. We're not, that's not what we're hearing. But nonetheless, that story's kind of out like it's been a rough season. Trey Young has kind of not gotten along so well with Coach McMillian and, and all of that. So it has it's not like this is a juggernaut of a Hawks team that the Lakers beat, but they're still the ninth seed in the East. They've got a better record than the Lakers, and the Lakers need wins, and we need feel-good moments. So I'm not going to try to diminish this victory at all. This is a win that the Lakers needed. Let's face it, this is a win that we needed. Lakers Nation needed this win. And so especially when you get a performance like this, out of LeBron as he turns 38, flipping the middle finger here to father time, putting up 47 points on his 38th birthday. I'm not going to try to talk that down or diminish it at all because it's a Hawks team that's just been mediocre so far this season. It was still a win that the Lakers had to fight for and get, and you could tell the Lakers were undermanned. And remember, no Lonnie Walker in this game. Austin Reeves, second horrific game in a row from him. He was, what, one for 13? shooting the basketball. In fact, the Lakers shot 54% from the field with Austin Reeves shooting one for 13 and one for nine from three for Reeves. I don't know what's going on with him the last the last two games. He's been great all season. So we can, I should assume that there will be regression. He'll revert back to his normal self soon enough, but uh, another just poor performance out of Reeves. But nonetheless, the Lakers got the job done. Uh, they got the win that they needed. And they were able to overcome some obstacles, including being shorthanded and not getting the best out of a guy who's been a, an instrumental player for them in Austin Reeves. They still find a way to win. And again, a lot of that is credit to LeBron James. Uh, Bella says, historical performance. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a night to remember. This is a performance we'll remember. We'll say, remember, LeBron turned 38 and he had that crazy game. We'll talk about that. This is something five years from now. We'll be talking about 10 years from now. We'll be talking about another player is going to hit 38 and we'll say, remember LeBron at 38, what, what he did, right? This is a historic performance. It's again, it's not on the level of winning a championship or doing something huge in the playoffs or anything, but nonetheless, this was an incredible, incredible performance for LeBron James. Uh, if DK said, if the Lakers trade LeBron, like ungrateful fans want, how long before they able to have another player of his caliber? So here's the thing. Here's my, my problem with that is when you characterize fans who are looking at future trades as being, they're ungrateful of LeBron. I don't necessarily think they're ungrateful. I think there's a lot of fans who are saying trade LeBron because they feel bad for LeBron because they see LeBron night in and night out struggling and getting very little help. Right. And so they're saying, let's move on from LeBron. Let's reset things and try to build up a team properly from here. Now you can question, is the front office equipped to do that? Is, is this front office, the group that you would want to see do that? And then what does that mean for, of course, your draft picks and all that? And then what does that mean around the league in terms of getting another star to show up? If you can't make it work with LeBron, how long is it going to take to rebuild that faith in the Lakers organization after you move on from LeBron James, right? If you're another superstar, and you say, well, why would I come to the Lakers when they're the team that couldn't even make it work with LeBron James and Anthony, like two top 10 players, and you still couldn't make it work? Why should I come join that franchise? So all of those are fair points and questions to bring up. But I don't necessarily think it's ungrateful fans. Now, there are some fans out there that I've seen where their reaction has been, 
good riddance, get, get rid of LeBron. And he's the one who put this team together anyway. And this is his comeuppance and uh, all of that. I've seen that too. So I'm not going to say that that element is not out there. I think there is an analytical reason why you can point to the Lakers current situation and say that a complete reset may be the only way to ultimately fix things. Starting you, you've messed things up so badly that completely starting over may be the only path. Um, at some point, I don't think we're there yet. And I think this performance, as D mentions, um, this performance reminds you of how good LeBron is and how important he is. And, um, finding players of his caliber is not, not easy. Obviously he's a generational talent, arguably the goat, right? So this is, it's a tricky situation. And I think the Lakers preference is, and should be figure out a way to make this work with LeBron, with AD, figure out a way to give him the, the pieces he needs to win a championship or to contend at the very least, right? But it's also hard when you look at this roster to see where that's coming from. How, how are they going to get from where they're at right now to contending for a championship based on the assets that they currently have, the players they currently have on the roster? And we can go back and we can say hindsight's 2020 and we can look at all the mistakes that they've made, all the moves that they made that have just blown up in their face. You look at the Russell Westbrook trade, you look at the Alex Caruso situation, you look at devaluing all the players with bird rights, trading away players, having an incredibly tiny roster, not enough shooting, on and on. We could go on for ages about that. But the bottom line is that I don't think the whole trade LeBron thing, while I think there's some merit to it, and I think there's some reason why the Lakers may ultimately wind up in that place, I think you have to exhaust everything else before you're going to get to that point. What I'm saying is the Lakers can't even trade him this season. It would be something that would come up this summer at the earliest. So we're not in that place right now. Even if things do look dire for the Lakers at the moment, that's not going to be their preferred outcome. That's not going to be what they're trying to work towards is moving LeBron and moving Anthony Davis. Maybe at some point that's the place they wind up in, but I think it's going to take a lot more for them to get to that point. Until then, they're going to try and do everything they can to win with this team right now, um, even if that means with the team they put together in the summer, right? I'm not saying right now is in they're going to make a trade to try to fix everything right now. That may not happen. It's possible that deal's not on the table and they have to wait until the summer to make something work. Um, not what Lakers fans want to hear, by the way. I, I fully understand that and understand the frustration with the situation. Mamba mentality. This has to convince the front office to get LeBron help. Yes and no. Like, yes, in that you say, well, okay, this, I mean, my goodness, LeBron could still do incredible things. So, yes, I mean, that's 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 important. Um, but the bigger piece is, can Anthony Davis stay healthy? Like, we knew, maybe we didn't know LeBron was going to put up 47 points in a night like this, but you knew LeBron is still a very impactful player. The thing that's still out there that we don't know about is the health of Anthony Davis. I mean, he's saying, okay, his pain is down to a two. So it's getting optimistic that, all right, maybe he can return to the court soon. But I mean, hey, fingers crossed, there's no setbacks, anything like that. And when he gets back out on the court, what percentage of his of himself is he? Is he 80%? Is he 90%? Is he 50%? Right? That's going to matter. Like that's really the biggest thing out there that's looming over this team and deciding whether or not they have a chance to do anything this year regardless of whether or not they, they make a trade. And if the answer is, hey, AD is going to come back and he's going to be 90% of himself and by March, he's going to be 100% and he's all good. 
well, if that's the case, then okay, yeah, go go make a move and and add the pieces you need to and and let's go, right? Let, let's make a run as, as best as we can. If the answer is AD has a high risk of recurrence of injury and he's only going to be 50 or 60% of himself, well, unless you get some incredible deal that falls into your lap, how far are you really getting anyway? And that's the way the front office is going to have to approach this. And again, that's not what we want to hear from the fan perspective. I keep going back to, I mean, see so many things this, this season. You say, well, you probably should have done the Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade. And I know that's, that's water under the bridge. That's a decision that's already been made. But nonetheless, if you're not going to get a true Anthony Davis back, the real full version of AD, unless you are able to get multiple major pieces, I don't know if a trade gets you where you want to go. And that's something the front office has to consider. I don't want to be so negative, though, on a, on a show like this. Um after, after such a historic performance from LeBron James. Uh, Jay Delgado says, it seems just like last season, uh, the Baldy will have to score. So LeBron will have to score 40 plus per night for this team to win. Happy New Year. Yeah, I mean, look, there were moments, right? Like uh, Thomas Bryant fumbles a rebound out of bounds at the end there in crutch. I mean, I, I about lost it. Thomas Bryant misses a putback dunk, right? Like in crunch time. And look, Thomas Bryant had a good game overall. Don't. Don't get me wrong. He had a good game, but those were two big plays where I went, oh man. And then y- you could see the Lakers went on a stretch where um, I think Dennis Schroeder missed a couple shots and somebody else missed and Thomas Bryant missed. And LeBron finally just said, I- I'm doing it myself. He went Thanos style and he, and he took like the next few shots. Um, yeah. Look, LeBron needed to put up 40 plus for this, this team to win tonight. I will say some other guys did step up and have good performances. I was impressed with what we saw to Juan Toscano Anderson again. Um, I think his skill set fits what the Lakers need. And if you can get some efficient performances out of him, then he's a, a very playable player for you. And I think he's, his return is part of the reason why they sent Max Christie down to the South Bay Lakers. Um, nonetheless, I thought that it was pretty apparent that if LeBron didn't do the things that he was doing tonight, you're not going to win this game. And so that's, that's fair. And that's you know a reason why hey, you still need to make a trade. Because look, here's the thing. People point to, well, getting Russ wasn't necessarily a bad decision because the goal was that when LeBron's out or AD is out, you have another star who can pick up for you. Yeah, that was the goal. And that's not necessarily the wrong decision if you're getting the right guy. Russ was not the right guy to do that though. So now you've got, if if AD is out and LeBron doesn't go for 40, you're not winning a game. The goal was if AD is out, LeBron doesn't have to go for 40 because Russ is going to do some more of the heavy lifting, and we haven't seen that out of him. And again, he's been better this season. I'm not trying to criticize Russ here. He's been better this season, but he's just not able to give you superstar-level play despite what his his salary is at. Again, like I said, he's been better this season, but he's giving you like 10 to 15 million range of production, but he's taking up $47 million on the roster. So that's been part of the problem with this Lakers roster build and part of the reason why you say, well, if you can find something where you can get somebody else that can do some of the heavy lifting, take some of the burden off, you got to consider it. But again, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Anthony Davis. Uh, Jillian, LeBron is the greatest player ever, no doubt. He might be. He might be. But you know what? There are people who will... Um, there are people who will just say Michael Jordan as a knee jerk without really giving it much thought right? 
it's like if somebody said what's two plus two, everybody will just say four, right? Just knee jerk, just just good because that's the answer, right? It's almost hit the same place with who's the greatest basketball player ever, Michael Jordan, right? Like two plus two is four. Greatest basketball player was Michael Jordan. Like it's just a knee jerk. You don't even stop to think about it. Like that's that's just who it is, right? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LeBron, though, what he's done, I think, is at least put himself in the conversation. And some people have started to shift their opinion over towards, eh, maybe it's LeBron. I'll say this. They're both, obviously, all-time tremendous talents. They're incredible. Two of the greatest ever. No question. Which one is better than the other one? Personally, I think it's kind of futile to get caught up in all of that. Because what are you ever going to prove? How are you going to definitively prove that one's better than the other? Sure, you can cite MVP awards and finals won and and stats and, and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, they played in two different eras. And it's going to be about the sight of the beholder. It's going to matter. Like what generation you grew up in is going to matter. How many games of each player did you see? That's going to matter. Did you just watch the YouTube highlights? Did you watch the full game, right? Were you a fan of a team who got beat by the player in question or not? There's so many different factors that are coming, going to come into play for the individual that I think it's hard to definitively, definitively say this player is the greatest ever. So, Personally, rather than get caught up in that, I usually just like to say, look, they're incredible and throw Kareem into the mix and you want to get into Wilt and Shaq and Kobe and all right. I mean, we've been blessed seeing so many absolutely incredible talents um, in the NBA and LeBron is absolutely, absolutely one of them. Let's see what else we've got here. I do need actually, you know what? Let's get into a little award here. Let's do this one. Star in your role. All right, the Star in Your Role Award. This goes to the player who stepped up the most. Let me read some stats to you guys. Thomas Bryant, 19 points and 17 rebounds. He's already won this award a few times. 34 minutes, 8 of 10 shooting, incredible efficiency. Three from three uh, from the free throw line. Uh, Also blocked a shot. You had Patrick Beverly, had 10 points and three assists. Dennis Schroeder, nine assists and 12 points. Hit a big shot late in the game. 14, 8 and 11 for Russ. It's pretty silly. He's usually in the star of the night, superstar of the night award category. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel, 11 points and five rebounds, five of eight shooting for Wenyan. You know, I'm going to go Thomas Bryant, though. 17 rebounds in this game. 
in a game where you tied the Hawks on the offensive glass, 12 apiece, 17 rebounds in this game, in a game when the Lakers actually won the battle of the boards, 55 to 41 overall. Thomas Bryant's a big part of that. So I'm going to give him the, um, the star in your role award. I thought that he really did a nice job. He was at least competing and protecting the rim and competing on the glass. He's not the same level of rim protector as an Anthony Davis. But again, I put I put more of the blame on the Lakers not having much shot blocking at the, on the rim on the feet of Damian Jones than, than Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant wasn't brought in to be necess- necessarily a shot blocker at the rim. It's not really his skill set. It's not quite what he does. He's an energy big who can give you some efficient scoring on offense and can stretch the floor a little bit with his shooting. Damian Jones was supposed to be the rim protector, and he hasn't been playable for the Lakers. So I don't look at Thomas Bryant and blame him, um, just like I don't look at Russell Westbrook and blame him for you know protecting the rim or, or something like that, because it's not his skill set. It's not what you would expect him to do. Uh, Thomas Bryant, I think, has done quite a bit in, in the role that he's been given. I still think the role is probably a little bit more than what you ideally would want out of him. But I think he's proving that he can at the very least be a 15, maybe more minutes per night backup big when AD does return. Now, I still think you want that rim protector skill set to call upon when need be. But Thomas Bryant has done a heck of a job for the Lakers. And tonight was a very nice night for for him. Again, 19 and 17. Hard to complain about that. Hard to complain about that for sure. All right, let's see what else we've got here in the chat. (laughs) We've got, remember the time the Lakers, I won't read the name of this one. The Lakers gave up an entire team and future draft picks for an always injured Anthony Davis. Oh no, street clothes needs to go. He'll be the major reason LeBron's later years were wasted. Here's the problem that I have with, with comments like this. It's you're putting the blame on Anthony Davis as though Anthony Davis is making a conscious decision, especially when you take a shot at him and you're calling him a a name, which I hate. And and by the way, all the disrespect in the world to Charles Barkley for starting all of that. And look, Charles has done amazing things. He's done amazing things, broadcasting and all of that. But he started this whole like street clothes thing for Anthony Davis. I think it's ridiculous, especially compared to other players who have also missed games that AD now winds up being the target of a lot of different jokes, a lot of different comments about him. Everybody constantly on him about his availability. He's not choosing to get hurt. He's not choosing to get in. It's not like he's making the conscious choice or he's you know loafing in the offseason and showing up out of shape so that he's more susceptible to injury. No, he's working like crazy. He's doing everything he can to avoid injury. His body isn't necessarily cooperating with him, and there can be frustration with that from fans. But you don't put that blame on the person. That's not his fault. He's not making the choice to get hurt. Right, That's not something that he's going out trying to do. He's not doing something on purpose to try to hurt the team or hurt the organization or anything like that. It's not a conscious decision that he's making there. Um, As far as giving up an entire team in in draft picks, they won a championship. I don't think they win that championship with the players that they had. And I like the players that they, I mean, Brandon Ingram and you know, you go back further. You talk about Julius Randle, but you look at, you know, Lonzo Ball was in the deal. And of course, Josh Hart. Uh, all the, all of that, all the, the future picks. You look at who they could have picked up with those those future picks. Um, what they would have added, say Darius Garland, right? Could have been their could have been their pick in the draft. But nonetheless, they won a championship, and I think most teams would give up all of that and more if it meant winning a championship. So I think that that trade justifies itself simply with that. And then what we've seen out of AD this season is that he's still 
one of the best players in the NBA, bar none. His challenge is staying on the floor. But I'm not going to fault Anthony Davis for that. You can fault the Lakers organization for maybe underestimating how big of an injury concern this is and maybe not buffering their lineup enough to when AD does miss games, not giving themselves enough of a, a backup situation in terms of other bigs that can come in and do the job, not prioritizing that position enough so that if AD is out, they can stay afloat. That I think is okay criticism, but to say, but to be upset with Anthony Davis for getting hurt, I don't think that's really fair to him. I, I think fans can be certainly frustrated that he's been injured, but he's not choosing to do that. He's not actively doing anything to try to hurt the franchise. On the contrary, I think he's done everything he possibly can. And I have to imagine he's extremely frustrated as well. Uh, Mikey said, Reeves no doubt had a bad game, but the heat he got from Lakers Nation Twitter and fans was over the top. That guy has way outplayed his pay grade. Oh, 100%. 100% Reeves has outplayed his pay grade. I mean, look, he's had two bad games, and these are probably the two worst games we've seen of him in a Lakers uniform. But you look at the entirety of what we've seen in the last two seasons from Austin Reeves. He's been fantastic. He's been one of their best players. I think he's part of the reason why they struggled so much in the last game is because they essentially didn't have him. He was that bad um, in the last game. And again, he's been so good these past couple of, you know, two uh, season and a half now that I have to imagine there will be that positive regression. He'll bounce back and we'll see the same old Reeves sooner rather than later. But um, he's built up that equity because he's been so good. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to panic at this point. Sometimes you just you have a bad game. Sometimes you have a couple of bad games. And uh, ultimately, though, who you are as a player will truly shine through. So hopefully better days are ahead for uh, for Austin Reeves. Uh, B. Hill said, if you don't trade Russ, you basically lose $47 million in salary versus $30 million this offseason, not to mention Pat's 13 and none $5 million, $65 million in trade versus $30 million in the summer. So that's a great point, right? So we talk a lot about the cap space for the summer. The amount of cap room that you have heading into the summer, it'll be somewhere around that $30 million. Maybe a, maybe 25 maybe 32 right? I mean, it's a sliding scale here. But say it's about $30 million in cap space that you've got. Russell Westbrook is an expiring contract. The way that will work, though, is he'll have a cap hold on the books. So when we talk about Russ's bird rights, talk about, oh, well, you could actually keep Russell Westbrook. Well, you can, but his cap hold on the books is going to eat all of your cap space up. So the only way to actually use any of that cap space will be to either sign Russ to a different contract, which means, I mean, maybe he takes, who knows, maybe he takes a veteran minimum. He's not really going to, but let's say Russ takes $3 million, right? Okay, then you sign him to that contract. Now you have access to all of your cap space. The only other way you have access to it is if you renounce Russ's bird rights. You don't have those anymore, so you no longer have that cap hold sitting on the books. So $30 million in cap space doesn't mean $30 million and you have Russ's $47 million expiring contract to go trade. You don't get both of those things. Same thing holds true with Patrick Beverly. Same thing holds true with Kendrick Nunn. You don't actually have the space until you make a decision with those guys, either renounce them or they sign somewhere else. I suppose that's also a possibility. Um, or you re-sign them to ideally either a cheaper deal or whatever. And then you have whatever cap space you have left over. So it's something worth noting. But the problem though, is that these guys also don't have necessarily much value on their own, right? It's not like 
Patrick Beverly by himself is going to get a lot of teams calling and saying, hey, what, what, what can we give you for Pat? Can we give you something of value for him? Nobody's calling right now for that. The teams that are calling might be saying, hey, um, Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly, and we'll give you Evan Fournier, who's got money on the books for the next season, which is considered bad money on the books because he hasn't had a good year. So the teams that are calling right now are looking at these players as expiring contracts. That's it. In Russ's case, he's such a big contract compared to the production that he gives you that teams are going to ask for something in exchange for taking on his deal. So that's the challenge for the Lakers. It's that it's not so much that, yeah, you need to move this now in order to add more salary on your books and ideally more talent. It's what do you have to give up in addition to those guys as opposed to, yeah, if you only have $30 million in the summer, it's less spending power, but you also have the spending power plus you get to keep your draft picks for the time being. So that's the decision-making, but that's also not a wrong way to look at it here, right? When I look at the summer, when I look at the free agents that are out there, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. There's some good, there's some talented players. Don't get me wrong. There's some talented players. Hell, you could, you could get Miles Turner, right? He, he'll be a free agent unless he comes to terms on an extension. Um, Nikola Vucevic could be out there. Right? I mean, there's a number of players who could be there that you can go get. And I mean, maybe you can land those players without having to give up any picks and you still have your picks to move in another deal. But, but if you do, let's say you keep your picks, what salaries are you attaching those picks to? And if you don't have much cap space, let, let's say you sign miles Turner, right? Let's say Indiana doesn't come to come to terms on extension and you're the Lakers and you say, cool, Miles Turner, here's 25 million per year, and now we have five million dollars in cap space left. Great. You picked up Miles Turner and you didn't have to sacrifice any draft picks to do it. But now you've got five million in cap space. You have what do you have on the books? You have Miles Turner, which isn't tradable, just signed. You've got LeBron, you've got AD, you've got Max Christie, you've got let's say Austin Reeves. They signed him to a new deal. So you've got like five players under contract. And then You've got these draft picks that you could trade, but what salary are you attaching them to for salary matching purposes? You don't have that on your books anymore. So you could trade a first round pick and absorb, say, $5 million in salary. That's what you've got left over in terms of cap space. But who are you getting that makes $5 million that's going to be such a needle mover that you're going to be willing to give up one or more first round picks to get them? There's not many players that would fit that description. So... All of that comes down to the Lakers are in a very tricky spot. They're in a very tricky spot for the summer. Most likely, if they're going to use their cap space on something, there isn't that much out there in free agency. There's some players they could go sign, but it's also possible they could use their cap space to absorb a player, right? Just absorb a contract. But then you got to find somebody who makes less than 30 million and you may have to toss in one of those picks anyway in order to get that deal done. If you can find something now, and you do your summer shopping now, I think there's benefits to that. You just have to be careful with what you're getting. You have to be careful and make sure you're getting somebody or multiple players that can be long-term fits. And then you can look at it as you're doing your summer shopping right now and you're getting the benefit of adding those players immediately. But again, it's got to be the right deal. And right now, I don't know that that deal is there for the Lakers. All right, let's see what else we've got here.
Let's see here. We've got a lot, oh, a lot of comments coming in. A lot of people excited about what LeBron did. Shay Jordan said, LeBron or Lonzo and Ingram are just as much injured as AD. Good point. Good point. They are, they are indeed uh, injured uh, quite often. Like Lonzo is still injured. I hope he ends up being okay. Hope he can return this season. That's not sounding great about his recovery. But yeah, I mean, they're they're not exactly the picture of health either. So fair point when we're comparing Anthony Davis's injury situation to other players. Uh, Moon Music said, when Anthony Davis comes back, we should stop playing him on back-to-back games. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was what happened. Um, They're going to do what they can to try to rest him up and try to make sure he can stay healthy. That's going to be important for the Lakers if they are going to try to make any kind of a playoff push. You've got to get these guys healthy and keep them healthy. And if it's second night of a back-to-back, particularly second night of a back-to-back on the road, they don't play, so be it. So be it. Then that's, that's what you do. That's what you do. I know there's people who say, oh, you know, 20 years ago, I played in barefoot. I played in bare feet on concrete and, and, the, and played seven days a week uphill in the snow, walk into the court, right? Every day, right? I mean, that's, you go back and you look at the minutes totals and things like that from players years ago. And I mean, you, you look at Shaq playing 40 minutes a night and things like that. It's, it's not the way the league is right now. And it's not that the players today are soft. I think the game has changed quite a bit. I think the amount you have to move on the floor has changed quite a bit. Um, offenses are really good at engaging every player on the floor. It's, it's really hard to rest uh, on any particular possession. You don't see that as much. You don't see as much, oh, clear out, ISO, throw into the, into the post, and really just one player is defending and everybody else is kind of getting to not necessarily rest, but they're not in high-level activity. The game has changed a lot, is what I'm saying. And so I don't think you're comparing apples to apples necessarily. I understand that you see the minutes change and people get frustrated with that and people get frustrated with load management and resting. And I understand if you spent money to go to a game and LeBron isn't playing or, or whatever, that can be tough, but it's just become part of the modern NBA as we're learning more and more about how the human body recovers, the risk for injury, the elevated risk levels, depending on uh, how much rest you've gotten, how fatigued you are, your level of sleep, all these sorts of things, what you've been eating, nutrition, all this kind of stuff. We're just learning more and we're discovering more. And as we find out more, it's the, the rest is becoming more and more important. Uh, Ree said, would you keep Russ if he took 10 million? You know, I think that he'd be worth about that. I don't know if he would want to stay with the Lakers or if the Lakers would even want to keep him. You still have the problem at its as core of he's his skill set isn't a great fit with LeBron. Right? That's and again, credit to Russ coming off the bench. I'm not trying to um, diminish what Russ has done this season or anything like that, right? He's he's done what you would hope he's done. This His passing, I think, has been really important for the Lakers. But that said, Russ, even if he's 10 million, which is fair, I think you might be better off if you can find players who, while they might not be overall as talented as Russ, if you can find players who fit better in terms of can they defend can they shoot threes? And then you build out from there with whatever other skills that you can get, but make sure they check those first two boxes. Um, you may be better off in terms of building out your full roster by going that route and finding a player who can, again, maybe not put up 20 points a night like, like Russ can, but their skill set fits better with, with LeBron and AD. 
Alicia Anderson. If LeBron is going to play like that with his mom and wife in the crowd, please get them tickets to all the remaining games. Yes. Yeah. If that, if that was the secret sauce here, then please do, (laughs) please do Lakers. You can afford it. Make it happen. Make that happen. 100%. If that's really what it was, then let's do it for a while there. We were were talking, I think it was last season was, is Aaron Donald being in the front row? Was that what really fired up the Lakers? Get him tickets to every Lakers game. Then yeah, if this is what, what it takes, then 100% the Lakers should make that happen. All right. I do want to get into, before we get too late in the night here, let's get into the master lock of the night. Everybody's favorite segment. Master lock of the night. All right, master lock of the night where we take the most annoying thing from the game and we put it in the master lock. Mine came right at the beginning of the game. Right at the beginning of the game. Um, It was in the first quarter. I can't remember how many minutes in. But LeBron gets out on a break and A.J. Griffin fouls him. Twice. Fouls him twice. And I'm not saying like, fouled him like trying to make a play on the ball like intentionally fouled him i'm not saying flagrant foul but fouled him on purpose wasn't trying to conceal that he was fouling him was trying to stop the fast break it might have even been whistled as a take foul lebron was able to plow through two fouls again not one but two fouls that were done on purpose he grabbed lebron's arm slapped across his arms lebron drove right through both of them and finished and scored And the referees just looked, just looked at him and did nothing. No whistle should have been an and one should have been one of those moments where LeBron's flexing, like they're trying to foul me and I, and I'm still too strong and all that. And they just looked at him and I went, man, that, that is just, that's what we've seen this season. Right. And that was probably one of the most egregious examples. You saw a player on an opposing team going out of their way to foul LeBron James. Like that was the goal of the action. It wasn't to try to steal the ball. It wasn't to try to block a shot. He was trying to foul him. And the ref still didn't blow the whistle. Still nothing. LeBron's lack of respect from the officials this season has been mind-blowing. This guy has been the face of the NBA for so long. And even if you want to say, well, now it's, you know, now it's it's Giannis or now it's Luca or now it's, it's whoever, right? Whatever you want to say, maybe it is now. It's still LeBron, right? I mean, LeBron is still going to get the eyeballs. He's still going to get the attention, right? When he passes Kareem, that's going to be a huge thing. And yet he can't get the respect from the officials. It is bizarre how often he drives to the basket. Now, I do think part of this, I've talked about this on previous shows, part of it is teams don't necessarily feel like they have to foul him to stop him. You see, like if it's Zion, if it's Giannis, these guys that are just otherworldly freakish athletes in the in their prime the thought is our only chance to stop him is to foul like if i don't foul him he's dunking all over me right now i think teams now feel like "Eh, maybe lebron he's still i mean he's still an athletic freak but he's not quite as springy as he used to be so maybe i can actually play him straight up and i don't have to foul him and so that's allowing them to get away with a little bit of contact because lebron's so strong so people bounce off of him so if you're not making it quite as obvious then sometimes you can get away with, you know, contact and everything. And maybe LeBron misses at the rim and then, and then you can get a break going the other way. You don't have to make it obvious that you're wrapping him up and trying to foul him, right? 
as of as you would have say a few years ago. I think that's part of the reason why we see LeBron's free throw attempts so low compared to his drives to the rim. But we also see situations like this where teams are trying to foul him and still can't get the referee to blow the whistle. I, again, it's it was that moment where I went, man, that is just an indication of how this season has gone for LeBron at the free throw line. Credit to him for playing through that kind of stuff. He was frustrated, but my goodness, that was an egregious example of the lack of respect LeBron has gotten at the free throw line. So I'm going with that. I know a lot of people in the chat are saying Austin Reeves, fair. Uh, again, another poor performance out of Austin. His minutes got cut as a result. One for 13 shooting was not a good performance for him. Uh, I went with this LeBron one because it's been such a season-long thing. But if you wanted to say Reeves, uh, it's absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Greg Pollard said, trade idea. Beverly Jones in two seconds for Bamba Ross and none and, and one second for Reddish. Okay, so Pat Bev, Damian Jones, who remember has two years under contract. So he's got this year and then a player option for next year and a couple of second round picks for Mo Bamba and Terrence Ross. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would do that, right? I mean, Mo Bamba at least gives you a little bit of rim protection. We saw him the other night with the Magic. He could be a decent backup bay, young enough to where maybe he could be your long-term backup to, to AD if you think that this is, um, if you think that he's going to be that guy. And then Terrence Rosk is still just a professional scorer. He's a bucket getter. He can give you something off the bench. Now you are losing Patrick Beverly's defense, but you're also probably forcing Darvin Ham to start a bigger lineup than what he's done, right? Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly. It's been a little bit challenging, right? Starting two guys who are six foot. Uh, in your backcourt. And then Kendrick Nunn and a second for Cam Reddish. Yeah, look, I mean, Reddish, you're going to have to pay him this summer, but the Lakers need wings. And while I don't think you get Reddish and you just say, cool, we're good on the wings now. Check that box. We've got him. Everything's fine. I don't think he's been that this season. He's not a definite. He's more of a flyer. I think maybe a future second might be worth taking a flyer on Cam Reddish. I would caution, though, that the Lakers front office has been so good. Their scouting department's been so good finding players that I need to feel reasonably confident that Cam Reddish is a player who's going to pan out for me and that he's a guy that I'm going to want to pay on his next contract because he does have, need a new contract this season. I don't want to sacrifice a second-round pick just for nothing and just you know go, oh, well, it's only a second. It's no big deal. I think the seconds are a big deal for a Lakers team that's had so much success drafting uh, there. But that said, th that's, not, that's not a bad deal at all. If that was on the table and they did it, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Mom mentality. How confident are you that Lonnie resigns and doesn't pull a Malik Monk on us? Trade Lonnie for waivable players and a first. Use the first Pat Nunn for Bogdanovich. Russ 24-27 for Buddy and Turner. Then sign Cam from wave players just brainstorming. Okay, so confident that he doesn't pull a Malik Monk. Well, the Lakers wanted to keep Malik Monk. Malik Monk said he wanted to stay, but he just got offered way more money from the Kings than the Lakers could offer, and so he had to go. I mean, you can't even fault him for that. The Lakers couldn't offer him as much as the Kings did. Um, as far as pulling uh, a Malik Monk and leaving, I think there's a shot the Lakers keep him, but because he hasn't been putting up 16 points a game or anything. I mean, he's been, he struggled recently, and I think that actually gives them more of a shot to keep him this summer. If you can get him with his non-bird rights, he'd be what, I mean, like around seven or so, maybe eight. If you can get him for that, Sure. Um, I think there's a chance that you could really keep him, particularly if he, like Malik Monk was very appreciative 
of the chance that the Lakers gave him to sort of um, really show his stuff and bounce back and prove that he belongs in the NBA and all of that. If Lonnie Walker also feels that way, and I always said, look, with Monk, if the Lakers offer is $6 million, just to throw a number out there, and another team's offer is seven, then Malik Monk probably stays with the Lakers because he seemed to really appreciate that the Lakers gave him that chance. The problem was the Kings offered way more than that. And so at that point, you just you kind of say, well, I appreciate it, but th- this is, I mean, life-changing money, right? That's You do what you've got to do for your family. If another team comes along and offers Lonnie Walker eight and the Lakers can offer seven, there's a chance Lonnie says, well, you know what? You guys believed in me. Everybody else was writing me off. You even gave me a starting job. Okay, let's stick with the team that believes in me. I could see it it playing out that way. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Lonnie Walker leaves this offseason, particularly with the way that he's slowed down a bit in the last month or so. So something to factor in. The Buddy and Turner thing, I don't know if that's on the table anymore. I don't know if the Pacers even want to make that kind of a trade at this point. They've been winning games. So... I hate to say it, but I do wonder if that that ship has sailed for the Lakers. They had the chance to pull the trigger on that uh, right before media day, and they chose not to. And I think they might have missed out on uh, on that one. Uh, Leisha Anderson, Reeves and the refs should be master locked tonight. Yeah, you're you're thinking the same as me there. I've got uh, I had the referees, and then uh, Austin Reeves certainly in there as well. And again, expecting a bounce back from Reeves, but. Was not a good performance. Two poor performances uh, in a row from Austin Reeves. But again, this was overall, this was a much needed win for this Lakers team. Again, final score 130 to 121. They put up the points. You pick up the win. You move to 15 and 21. Still a long way to go to get to 500, but these are the kind of games that you got to win. Now you get two days off. Sure, they're going to go celebrate LeBron's birthday. And then you've got to take on the Charlotte Hornets who beat you, who you shouldn't have lost to. Uh, just a week ago, you're playing them on Monday. And let's see if the Lakers can get a little revenge in that one. Who knows? Win two in a row, a winning streak. Could that be possible? That would be great to see. And then hopefully we continue to get good news about Anthony Davis. He's supposed to have more imaging done when he gets back to LA after this, this road trip is, is wrapped up. Um, supposed to see more imaging from AD and hopefully we get good news from there and a return to the court. Fingers crossed. Hope it's not too, too far away, but that being said, Lakers Nation, thank you guys for, for joining me tonight. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Truly appreciate all of you guys coming in and what a game we got to experience in this one. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.